This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Jeremiah 29, 11. <clears throat> Okay. For I know the thoughts I think towards you. The thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil and to give you a future and a hope. Okay, I haven't got time to get into this stuff, so we're going to give the, I'm going to do the Nate thing, the paraphrased version. And I might do a little bit next week because I, I can embellish on it a little bit, but I've only got 10 minutes. So here we go. The good thing about this year and the good thing about where you are right now is that the best of your life is yet to come. come the best of your life is yet to come. You know why? Because your future is full of possibilities, opportunities, and potential. Your history is in cement. You're not changing it. But your future offers possibilities that you can step into. Places you can go and things that you can explore. Avenues that you can experience where you've never been before. It doesn't matter where you are today. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing today. It doesn't matter what your reality looks like. God wants you to know you have a future. And as long as you have a future, you have options available. You can make some choices that will change your life. I want to speak to you this morning on something. Change your choices, change your life. Change your choices, change your life. You have an incredible power that you wield and it was gifted to you by God. It's called the, the opportunity to, ex, to experience and to enjoy freedom of choice. And even God will honor your choices. Even God will honor your choices. So your future is exciting because it's full of opportunities and choices for you. What do you want to do with it? All of our days are filled with and peppered with um, times of encounter, times of action. It's called having to make a choice. We are filled with them. Our lives are filled with them every single day. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. At some point, it's going to make a demand on you and it's going to sit and say, what is it that you want to do in this situation? What is it that you want to do in this circumstance? What is it that you want to do when you're faced with a challenge? The thing is that you have to make a decision and deciding not to make a decision is still a decision. There is no two ways about it. There is a, a responsibility that comes with it that's thrust into your lap. And at that point, you are going to have to do something with it, even if your something is nothing. You have incredible ability within that. What's so wonderful about God is this. At the point of choice is where your reality and God's invitation encounter one another. At the point of decision is where God's invitation and your reality encounter one another. He is looking to flood your life with his love, with his provision, with his grace, with his benefits, with everything that he wants you to experience as a child of his. But what are you choosing? So, good. so there are simple things that happen in life sometimes, and sometimes they speak to me in more profound ways. And so there was something interesting that happened, and I'm going to use it as a simple little example to give you some points that are practical points. I think I'm going to give you four of them. Practical things that you can take and you can use this year that'll change your year. It'll change your life and it'll change who you are. 
So this is what happened. Vivian had a call from a friend of hers, and she said to her, why don't you come over and have a play date? And so Vivian got so excited about it. She was so enthusiastic. She was like, I can hardly wait. And so we got all the details sorted out, and, and we were like, fine, now we're, we're on our way. Let's go. The day arrived. I said to her, come on, let's go. So in order to get to where she wanted to go, we had to get into the car. If you're going to drive, point number one, you have to be responsible. Point number one is this. Lead your life. You cannot drive without being aware, without being in the moment, without being vigilant, without being alert. It demands it of you. If you get behind that steering wheel and you get onto the road and you get onto 66 and you get onto 29, you better be alert because there are demands being placed on you all the time. Stuff is happening. People are coming. Pedestrians are moving. Cars are, tra- are moving in places. Trucks are being encountered. You have to make decisions. You have to be alert all the time. The thing about it is lead your life. Be alert about the decisions that we make. Things don't just happen in life. Success doesn't just happen. I don't just get to change my life because I woke up one day and things happened. There is an opportunity for us to recognize the fact that success is available to us in whatever form. It might be in your relationships. It might be in your schooling. It might be in your education. It might be at work. Whatever it is that you're wanting to do, for you to move into a successful environment, for you to move into growth, for you to move into expansion, for you to move into something that moves you to a brand new place, there is intentionality behind it. Nothing ever happened and just woke up one day and there was a building. We walk it out. We walk it out. The point is this. One of our biggest challenges that we have is our comfort zone. Our form of, it's my form of natural. It comes naturally to me. We're comfortable in our natural. The challenge with it is if you want to do something new and you want to change some of the things that are adversely affecting your relationships, your work ethic, your environment, you have to be intentional about that stuff and understand that there's a risk factor involved in it. We like staying where we are because it's what we know. And every time we step outside of what we know, it puts us in a risky proposition. Not all risky propositions are bad. Risky propositions are good very often because it introduces us to newness and improvement and and betterness. It's just such a word. It makes things better. But you've got to step out of your comfort zone. The thing about it is the reason that we have something called faith is because God gives us the opportunity to be able to visualize where we're going before we get there. There comes a place in our life where we have to make some leaps and we have to move forward into some stuff. And although it might be risky, the reason that I do it is because I don't want to live where I was. I want to move into something new. Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's wrong. We have to interrogate our status quo. We are, as as people, we are so comfortable getting into places where we like to get into ruts because ruts is where everything happens. I can just flow with life in a rut. The challenge with it is not all of our ruts are healthy ruts. And sometimes we've got ways that we deal with people, ways that we deal with situations, ways that we hide ourselves because that's what we've learned. That's what we know. It becomes second nature to us. The thing about it is this. 
when we're intentional and we begin to lead our lives, we understand that we have a proposition called reacting to life or responding to life. When I react to life, what ends up happening is I invariably, I live from my brain. It's, I live from habit. That's what I've always done. Somebody says something nasty to me and what is the first thing that I do? I snap back at them. Why? I reacted to it. That's the way I've always learned to deal with situations. And so I just do it. I react. I live out of habit. I can't get into it, but it's, that's a big thing with like how we were built. God built us with the capacity to develop habits. Some habits are healthy. You don't want to have to pay attention to everything you do all the time because your body's learned quickly to be able to do it without you having to concentrate and do it step by step. But it works in the opposite way as well. If we learn some really bad things, bad behaviors, bad attitudes, bad language, bad all the rest of it, it becomes second nature to us. And what happens is when a circumstance or a situation comes in, I react as opposed to responding. Responding is when I don't go to my brain, but I go to my heart. Responding is sitting saying, I know that God has given me something and he's introducing me to something new and I don't want to live the way that I used to do it. I don't want to react the way I used to do it. So I'm going to be intentional in the space. There is an intentionality to leading your life. And I'm running out of time, so I've got to hurry. So we got in the car. And the thing is, we had to get the address because we had to know where we were going. Know where you're going. Point number two. I love this point. I love this point. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. We don't always know where we're going. I'll tell you this. You know what the wonderful thing about it is? You have a destination. It's been prescribed for you. God has given it to you. It's called a destiny. It's to be conformed to the image of Christ. The thing is, go and find out what the address is. Go and find out more about who he is. Because every time you make a discovery about who he is, it's showing you your destination. What it means is, when I discover the destination and I'm in situations, I look at that and rather than reacting, I respond. And I respond and sit and say, well, what's the destination supposed to be? Hold on, that wasn't very loving. I took a wrong turn. That's not where I'm supposed to be going. It's not my destination. Well, the more we know about Christ, the more we know about the fullness of what he's provided for us, the more that we have an appreciation and a value for grace and that kind of life that Jesus looks for us to lead, the more we allow that stuff to infuse and inform who we are, it begins to act as a filter for us and it becomes something that's subconscious to us. The spirit begins to act and, and build that stuff on the inside of us so that we have an internal GPS. I know sometimes when I hit an intersection, I'm very much aware of the fact that don't do that because that's taking me in the wrong way. What is he doing? He's sitting saying, I know that you have a destination. You have a destiny. Allow it to inform your decisions. Allow it to inform the way that you move forward in life. You got to have a destiny. Destiny is calling. So we get in the boat and we're on our road and we're driving. And the thing about it is when you go there, they live in a neighborhood. So as you're moving through the neighborhood, you're coming to all kinds of intersections. Every time you come to an intersection, it requires something of you. A decision. 
You know what the wonderful thing is about being a born-again believer? If you're a born-again believer, you have options that are exclusively available to you from God. When you come to an intersection, you actually hold a conference. Every time you come to an intersection in your life and you have to make a decision, you've just called a conference. And when you call a conference, you know who arrives. My history arrives, and my history's got a lot to say about stuff. Not just my history, but I'll tell you what, my brain also arrives. And it's got all kinds of thoughts about what you should and shouldn't be doing. And then my emotions step up to the table and sit and say, but let me tell you how I'm feeling about this. Am I anxious? Am I nervous? Am I fearful? Am I indulgent? And then that's not all. There's also room for the flesh. The flesh pulls up a seat as well, and the flesh says, well, let me tell you my five cents worth. And in all of these places, the one thing that you always will encounter at an intersection is an invitation. You see, the Holy Spirit is not a master. He's your guide. A master tells you what you're going to do. But because God's equipped you with the right and the privilege to make your own decisions and choices, what he does is he extends an invitation to you. So the Holy Spirit comes to the table and says, here you go. But now you're the chairman of the board. So you got to make the decision. You call the shots. And every time you make a decision, what you do is, You give authority to potential, to opportunity, to influence that situation. Either to your emotion, or your flesh, or your thoughts, or your history, or your normal, or the invitation. Something is given the right to invade that space. And when it invades that space, it gives definition to what it looks like. The reason very often we end up in in the space that we are is because we keep going around the same mountain over and over again. Because we react, we don't respond. We don't take a moment to sit and say, hold on a second. Grace is presenting itself. What do you want? Destiny comes with an invitation. In every decision, destiny will come with an invitation. I don't end up looking like Christ tomorrow because as I travel my journey and as I hit intersections, every time I move into that space, there's always a conference. But it's in the conference where I give preeminence to the invitation. And when I give preeminence to the invitation, I make a decision to allow that to inform me. And when I do that, it changes everything. You see, your choices are really important. And when you decide to make choices with God, it'll do a few key things in your life. The first thing that it's going to do is going to make your life more expansive. I took liberties, sorry. (laughs) It's going to make your life more expansive. Every time God invites you to do something, what he's going to do is he's going to sit and say, you know what, you've been comfortable doing this and you've always done things that way and you've always steered clear of this, but I want you to give it a try. Give it a try. 
And it's in the trying that you suddenly discover some stuff that you can do with him, which all of a sudden changes your capacity for living. Here's a silly example. You arrive and you order a new toaster oven from Amazon. And it arrives in typical 15 pieces, 52 pieces that need to be put together. What do you do? Do you sit and say, I can't do this. Where's my wife? She's really good at putting stuff together. Or do I sit and say, you know what? I may not know it. I may have never done it before. But let me give it a try. You may discover you can put some stuff together. You'll discover that all those years putting Lego pieces together actually pays dividends. It's a silly example, but the point of it is this. We pass by so many things in life all too often because I don't know how to do that. I've never done it before. I'm not comfortable in that space. Well, that's just not me. God doesn't say that. Remember, expired expansion. Forget about the, the, the old. That's history. We're talking about potential. We're talking about opportunity. We're talking about expansion. So he's going to expand you. The second thing that he's going to do is your choices are important because it gives self-definition. He's never going to conform you to the image of Christ unless you accept the invitation. You won't even get born again unless you accept the invitation. It's there. It's available for everybody. What do you want to do with it? The invitation is always there and he's always looking to touch and change who you are. That's why he's so much more interested in your identity as opposed to your thoughts. Because when your identity changes, the thinking and everything else goes with it. So he's concerned and he's focused. So remember this, every time that he extends an invitation to you, it's so much more than just an experience. It's an opportunity to take who you are and to make that bigger and establish you in him. Third part about it is this. It affects your atmosphere. Now, it's so funny that you read that because I was going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. Don, I hope you're on the ball there. Don't sleep. I know you are. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. If the atmosphere you carry is negative and full of death, There's an opportunity to sit and say, you know what? I probably made the wrong choice. I took the wrong option at the conference table. Go back. You're okay. Fine. The invitation never goes away. I can always have the opportunity to go back to the table and say, I'm putting my emotions aside. I was an idiot. What a fool. Sarah doesn't like me saying that because we were watching football yesterday and every mistake, I said, what an idiot. She's like, every, this is right after I told the boys. I said, my New Year's resolution is we have to stop being critical. <laughs> anyway, what was I talking about? You can go back. You can go back to the table. You go back 
second you say, I made a mistake. I chose what my emotions wanted. I made a mistake. I'm living from some hurts in my past. I made a mistake because I deal with things. I want to change it. I want to take the invitation because I want the atmosphere of where I go to be life and light. Love. I want people to experience his grace. Your choices do stuff. Your choices are more powerful than you can possibly imagine. God has empowered you with the ability to be able to affect and influence your future. Take it and grab hold of it. He's inviting you into partnership with him. Jesus has provided everything for you because he loves you so very much. Grace is available and accessible with regularity. Every, I promise you this. Every time you go to the conference table, the invitation's there. I don't care what your circumstance, doesn't matter what your situation, doesn't matter what's going on. I promise you he's got an invitation. If you'll just grab the invitation and run with him, it'll be scary sometimes. And it's going to push you in some places because he's doing some stuff in your life and he's molding you so that as I begin to change who I am, I experience life differently. I feel things differently. I see things differently. I look for possibilities. I haven't got time for negativity and death and all the other stuff. I haven't got time for other people's problems, let alone my own. I'm in pursuit of opportunity. Pursue opportunity this year. It's going to be full of them. When you leave here today, your conference table's calling. Make the, make the year fantastic, phenomenal, phenomenal. You choose it. You choose it. He's given everything that we need to experience it, but we've got to choose it. And we walk it out in our life. That's how we do it practically. It's in that space where we meet at the conference table. Have a fantastic year. Be intentional about it. I might actually talk about this next, next week because there's some other things I want to talk about and I haven't got time. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. And he wants you to experience that. Not just to have an awareness of it, but to encounter his goodness and his love and his provision and his everything that he has for you. He wants to flood your life. When God floods your life, everybody else knows it. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to experience a new year. I want to thank you, Father, that you've given us the privilege of choice. You've entrusted to us something which is profoundly transformational. I pray, Father, that we go through this year, not with the Doris Day doctrine, not whatever will be, will be, but we're intentional. I want to thank you, Father, that we know that we have a destiny. We know that we have a goal and it becomes a filter for our lives. I want to thank you, Father, that we are acutely aware of always accepting the invitation at the conference table. And I want to thank you that as we walk into partnership with you, 
the fullness of all that you've provided for us offers us opportunity to experience you throughout the day, every day. I thank you for a grand year. I thank you for lives that are touched and changed. I thank you for communities that are transformed. I thank you for friendships that are born. I want to thank you, Father, that you use us in an extensive way as light and salt. We bless you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.